As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Live from a hotel room in the heart of the nerdy South, it's Nashville, Tennessee. Here's a podcast that can only be cosplayed by wearing jeans in a black t-shirt. It's Sif Pop. Welcome to Sif Pop, and instead of streaming live uh, this week, got one that uh, managed to record uh, this past weekend from Wizard World Convention in Nashville, Tennessee, where I was hanging out with my friends from CinemaSins. Uh, had a great conversation with Jeremy, uh, who's the narrator from CinemaSins. You've heard on Sif Pop before. Good friend of mine. And we were just kind of hanging out in my hotel room. And I said, hey, can we record a podcast? Um, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about conventions. So uh, just to give you a heads up, we kind of go into just briefly talking about kind of the convention scene, what it's like. We talk a little bit about uh, cosplay, how interesting it is, and also how uncomfortable it can be, especially in the way that it objectifies women. I thought that was an interesting kind of thing that that happened as we were talking. We then each rank our top three things that we nerd out about, our top three nerd obsessions. Um, we kind of go number one to number three on that. Uh, that was pretty fun. And then we close out with some buried treasure as well. So just some stuff kind of to uh, keep the lights on here at Sif Pop while we're kind of getting the new studio ready. Uh, and before I get back in town, we should have a full... Brand new episode of Sif Pop uh, up this coming weekend, so be ready for that. But as for now, here's Jeremy and I talking about conventions. Welcome to a Sif Swift episode of Sif Pop, uh, where we just take a quick amount of your time and fill in a gap when I'm out of town uh, with just a conversation. And this time we've got Jeremy Hello. from CinemaSins. Hello. Welcome, Jeremy. We're the only two people clapping right now. I know. Now. I, when there's only two people, you have to clap for yourself. I know it's a little <laughs> awkward, but... Uh, how you doing, man? Good, man. How are you? I'm good. We're just coming through, what is it, Wizard? Wizard World. Wizard World. Comic-Con. Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. Because I told people, like, I was going to come hang out with you guys at a Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. Like, is that just, like, a general term for any comic book convention? Well, that's the tricky, is it's both that and the San Diego Comic-Con. Is, there's, there's, there's right, do they have something trademarked there? Yeah, or? I guess they don't. If you can okay. call this a Comic-Con, Wizard World Comic-Con, it uh-huh. must not be a trademark issue. I don't know, um, but I'd never heard of it before. No. And then you guys invited me out to this thing, mm-hmm. and then I found out they're actually coming to where I live in Springfield, Missouri. Oh, so it must it must be like a traveling. It is kind of like hitting the the like cities where the big conventions don't come or something. It is or? from what I understand, they do. This organization does one every month in a different city, and they were just in Columbus last month. Um, and in fact, when we were planning with them, 
It was, it was more difficult to get details until the Columbus Con ended and they were starting to ramp up for this one. So I think every month they have one, and I, I know they're going to Philadelphia at some point. Yeah. Um, I saw, like, maybe Oklahoma City. Maybe. Tulsa, maybe. Sounds about that, right. That range. So, yeah, it sounds like it kind of hit, like, Midwest places, different yeah. things like that. So what was one of your favorite things this week? About the convention? Yeah. Well, uh, to be honest... Um, I have several favorite things. I might just fill your whole time here with that. Um, there were a handful of uh, my fans from Twitter that I've been interacting with for three or four yeah, years yeah, yeah. now that we've sort of bonded. Um, you know, one, the girl who actually went through all of our podcasts and made the spreadsheet of all of our votes for each year. Right, yeah, yeah. Movie. She was one of them. So I finally got to meet uh, those three, and that was actually a real highlight. Those Those three people keep me sane on Twitter along with people like you and mm -hmm. what have you, because um, Twitter could be a, a very insane place. Um, what? Social media? <laughs> uh, it was also really fun for me. I think the, the biggest highlight was just seeing so many areas of my life come together, right? Because I have friends in town that were here to see me that had never met you. Right, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Friends in town that have known you since college. Uh, we've, we brought Jeremy Simser in, the storyboard artist from Vancouver. Yeah, I was going to mention Simser. That yeah. was really cool meeting him. Yeah, and uh, just seeing all of those things interact together brought me a lot of joy uh, for some weird reason. Like the first night, you went out with, with a, a friend Josh and, and Simser and uh, Jonathan, who's one of our writers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and just the, even seeing the picture of the four of you out together just made me <laughs> smile. Uh, it's just that did you get together. gooseies, Jeremy? Did yeah, you get did. goosebumps? The coming together of all these people I love, it was just really fun. No, there's, that's, and I think that's part of even, like, if you look at, like, a convention, right? Yeah. Beyond what you're talking about, where it's, like, a connection, like, a known connection of people coming together. It's this idea of people united by common loves. Yep. Or even the idea of loving something to that degree, mm -hmm. you know, even if it's not the same thing. If it's Doctor Who for one person and Star Wars for another person, uh, there's a real kind of family aspect there is. that I've heard about, but I've never seen in person. This is my first convention. I've well, never been to one before. This is my fourth or fifth, and every single one of them has one of the most warm, inclusive environments you can ever imagine. It's yeah. like we all accept that we're obsessed with something. I respect your obsession with Harry Potter. You respect <laughs> my obsession with dressing up like Spider Gwen, um, <laughs> what have you. And it's just it's, it's there's so much love, uh -huh. uh, and, and it's just a really good vibe. That's why that's one of the best reasons I think to attend these cons. Yeah. is that you really don't get that anywhere else. Yeah. not with a collection of such diverse people. And I should say, you mentioned that uh, Jeremy is actually currently dressed like Spider Gwen uh, <laughs> as we record this. Yeah, I thought it would be uh, the best way to get. I've the... got my Ron Weasley outfit on. So. <laughs> We can talk about that a little bit. I figured that would be kind of the focus of this episode, is just kind of talking about convention culture and that sure. kind of thing. Because it's my first experience with it, and so oh, yeah. I have several thoughts. And, and what did you think? Well, let's, we'll get into that, but we just mentioned cosplay, mm -hmm. which for some reason I always pronounce cosplay, like with a Z, but like it's... Cosby? Yeah, but no, we don't want to talk about Cosby. <laughs> but no, but it's but it's costume, right? So yeah. it's supposed to be cos, cosplay. Cosplay, yes. Cosplay. Uh, I've seen it in pictures, yeah. and, and I always assumed... That it was like, you know, one out of ten people, oh, you know, no. kind of thing. Yeah. And those were the people who got their picture. No, it's no. like one out of every two people. Yeah, it's almost 50%. It's, like, it, that is insane. Like, is. I just, I didn't realize, I guess because I'm not built that way naturally. Sure. To want to dress up in a costume. Yeah. Um, but that's such a fun part of it, an interesting part of it. It really is, because you've got 
I mean, you got the whole spectrum, right? You got a lot of homemade costumes, and some of them are okay, and some of them are amazing. Like we right. we met a girl yesterday who made her own Mad Hatter costume. That costume, I think that would be my number one. That was probably it my was favorite probably costume. Probably my number I saw. one. Yeah. And she made that hat by hand. And then you have the the other end, more your more professional cosplayers. Um, who either have the tools like uh, the Mythbusters crew to create an Iron Man suit in their garage, Uh or they have the money to buy like a Batman costume from the Dark Knight or what have you. And those are equally impressive to look at. Um, And again, that's just just another extension of, you know, we're all obsessed with something. Mm -hmm. And so you, you see a lot of people taking pictures with each other, Taking pictures of good cosplay. Our, we just mentioned Jeremy Simser. He dressed as Indiana Jones yesterday. And he has such a great story for all those pieces of he his does. Indiana Jones he outfit. He spent a long time putting that outfit yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. I think this, he said this was the first time he's ever worn it all. Oh, together. the full outfit? The full thing. Nice. Um, and I saw a lot of people taking his picture. And then you, you get a lot of fun juxtaposition. Like I saw Wolverine uh, posing for a picture with Wonder Woman. <laughs> You know, yeah, and you see Jack Skellington posing for a picture with Mister Incredible. Yeah, uh, and it's just it's just fun. I don't think I would ever put one of those outfits on myself, but um, you know, I think the people who do enjoy cosplay, it just makes the convention experience that much more fun for them. I think it was you identified uh, Ralph from Wreck It Ralph at yeah. one point today yeah. when we were over there, and that's the kind of thing I would do if I were to do it. Would be something I wouldn't want it to be. Batman, right. or you know, Superman, or you know, some. I would want it to be something where, where there'd be a few people who knew what it was. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I don't, that's the way I'm built. Like I am know, too. I, I want it to be that. I way, want to see so. if anybody could get the inside joke, right? Yeah. So I dress up as somebody obscure, like maybe one of the side characters from the Matrix or something that nobody really remembers or what mm-hmm. have you. Mm-hmm. Um, you do get a lot of Batman. Um, I saw a couple of different Wreck-It Ralphs though. Did so, you I saw female King Candy? Um, oh wow! Rick Ralph has some love out there. Man, I didn't. I guess I didn't pay close enough attention. I saw different versions of like Link from Zelda. That, yeah. Like uh, like the different games. I thought that was interesting. You know, to be be able to identify that. Well, kind even of stuff, the different but... Batman. I saw a Burton era Batman, and I saw a, a Nolan Batman, and then I saw it was very clearly a Batman v Superman, the Snyder Universe Batman. Um, so they all, have, they all have their favorites. And... Pretty awesome. I don't know that I would be able to identify them as well as you. Um, it, for me, it'd have to be a little more obvious, like it is with with the joke in Lego Batman, where it goes through all the different yeah. you know, versions yeah. of Batman. Like, yeah. okay, I can do that. Did you see any like uh, <laughs> any uh, you know like old school sixties Batman? Uh, I don't think I did. No, um, but I, I I think I have before at different yeah. conventions. Um, you know, you get that um, Adam West look. Uh, I've seen that before. That's that leotard thing. All right. Speaking of leotards, yes. In skimpy outfits. Yes. That's another part of the cosplay that I've always found interesting, and excuse me for phrasing it that way. Yes. But is we? it's kind of this interesting battle, I think, in comic culture between not objectifying women, but still letting women, like, letting women, women's bodies be part of their character. Sure. You know what I mean? It's sure. this weird thing, right? Because, uh, you know, like, we were talking even today, there's some uncomfortable moments with, like, Harley Quinn mm-hmm. costumes, especially when they're on younger girls, yep. and, like... Well, Harley Quinn is such a, it's such a sexualized yeah. character, at least in the movie Suicide Squad, and that, right. that was the costume we were seeing the most often. And then you see a 14-year-old girl walk by wearing what Margot Robbie wears in that movie, and you're yeah. like, that's not right. Yeah. Like, somebody dropped the ball there. No, you're absolutely right. So, and then there's even the aspect of it where we walked by a booth coming out where the artist, obviously, most of what he sells are famous superhero characters in pinup 
you know, poses, Mm -hmm. mostly naked, you know, whatever. And it's like, I don't know, because I, I get it. I understand that's a part of especially the, you know, the male brain. Sure. But at the same time, as a culture, I wish we were trying to, like, move past that objectification stage. I think we are. It's just taking a while. Like, when they, when, when Marvel Comics introduced the new female Iron Man, like, a year ago or so. Right. The cover was heavily criticized because it was this, that, that sort of old school. Because comics have a long, sad history of objectifying women in the outfits and the covers mm-hmm. and what have you. Right. And this, this was more in the line of that. Uh, and it's a it's a girl of co- color. She's mm-hmm. young, um, and it got a lot of blowback to the point where I think they even apologized and issued a new cover. Um, so I think it has to change there first before it can change in the films, and then change in the cosplay con culture. Right, because they're all deriving those looks. The only reason those girls are wearing the Harley Quinn costume from the movie is mm-hmm. because the movie happened. Um, you weren't seeing, I mean, you'd still see some Harley Quinn now and then, uh, but you weren't seeing that many Harley Quinns until Suicide Squad came Well, and out. you certainly weren't seeing that outfit Harley right. Quinn until right. the Suicide Squad Harley it, Quinn She's outfit. got outfits in the comics that right. it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. not the ones that the, that the movie chose to feature. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I, and it, there is, there is a, uh, like a, there is a, a balance there that I think has to be found because mm-hmm. there's nothing there's nothing wrong with physical attractiveness, no, right? Like no. there's and there's nothing wrong. I feel like it's you know same with a, a lot of the racial things that you know happen as well. Uh, I think of it in the terms of like we talked about: are we supposed to be colorblind or are we supposed to appreciate color when it comes to race? Sure. And I think we're leaning more now culturally towards appreciating diversity and mm-hmm. appreciating background, those kind of things. But for a while, it was like, well, let's just not see color. Yeah. And of course, that can be the kind of the goal is that it doesn't even matter. But yeah. at the same time, cultural diversity is a cool thing, right? So yeah. I think it's the same when you deal with stuff like this. Like, it's important to uh, you know appreciate beauty and desire and all that stuff. But at the same time, if you're telling somebody, well, you're only valuable because you're shaped this way right. or you're showing this part of your body, right. that becomes a whole you know, different thing. Well, was the biggest problem I have with the Harley Quinn character in, in Suicide Squad, the movie. Um, I have lots of problems with the movie, but, <laughs> but that character was so sexualized in that movie and it really bothered me because uh, she's got a, a long twisted history in the comics but there are there are versions of Harley Quinn that can be quite empowering and I felt like the movie just chose to sexualize her that is what we see when we see these younger girls dressing up and that's that is the issue I have with making a character that not only is like that but also could be an appealing I don't know if role model is the right word but um, you know just kind of an appealing personality yeah you know for the and honestly I feel the same way in a different way you know it's not a physical thing but with like uh, Ledger's Joker, like yeah. I don't get when people cosplay as Ledger's Joker yeah. because there's something so dark about that character, and I don't. Maybe it's wrong, but it almost worries me when somebody like embraces that. You well, know what I mean? Almost like, any of the Jokers, really. I mean, well, I don't know. I mean, Ledger's was next level, though, right? Like it I mean, was next level scary, but the Joker has always been an evil killer. Yeah, always yeah. Uh, a psychopath in any incarnation, uh, in the comics or the movies. Uh, yeah, I guess cosplaying as Nicholson's Joker might seem a little more fun because that was a, a campier 
goofier right. yeah, version, yeah, yeah. but that character is still a murderer, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, or somebody cosplaying as Hannibal Lecter or something. Yeah, or, yeah. I think what happens weird. is it's it. I think I'm not a cosplayer, but to put my mind into their mindset, I think you, you want to be different. You want to, you, you know. Like I said, we saw, what, 15 different Batmans at this mm-hmm. thing? Yeah. Um, so playing the Joker helps you stand out a little bit from that. Um, and, you know, I think you can have love for um, DC Comics or, or the Batman lore and show that by dressing up as one of the villains. Like we saw a Two-Face earlier today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think those people are like, I love murder. I love the <laughs> evil. I think they love Batman and, and chose to... You know, chose a character that was probably less likely to be, you know, all over the place. Yeah. Um, So who would... Okay, so when you look at your own pop culture love, like the things that you are uh, obsessed with, I think was the word you Mm -hmm. used earlier, Mm -hmm. what would be, like, at the top of that list? Like, let's... In fact, let's kind of do... See if we can each pick three things that would be, like, our pop culture obsessions. Well, Batman. Batman's yours? For one. Would that be number one, you think? Probably. All right. Um, and when did that start? It started late high school and college. Um, and for about six or seven years, I bought every Batman comic. Every week I went to the store and I was reading regularly. Um, but, you know, it obviously starts way back earlier with Adam West and the Batman TV show, which was wholesome and clean and campy. And my parents let me watch Goofy it. Goofy and, yeah. Uh, and I, did, I didn't know at that time any of the, the darker elements of the Batman story. Uh, so I was able to be introduced easily with something that was, you know, pretty clean. Uh, Do you watch of... the TV show? Do you watch Gotham? No. Okay. No, because I don't curious. think that show needs to exist. <laughs> Why would you make a, a Batman show without Batman? <laughs> right, we are talking about Batman, not just Batman's universe. Um, Got it. Let's see, Star Trek's probably up there. That's um, your number two? Probably. Maybe, All right, maybe... before we get to your number two, I'll do my number one. My number one's Pixar. I don't think that's yeah. a surprise. Not to me. Um... Yeah, they just had such a run. They had a run of movies that etched in my mind that they were the most uh, smart, creative people in movie making, Mm -hmm. period. Now, since John Lasseter moved to Disney proper, Mm -hmm. you know, all of Disney and not just Pixar, um, I think that has spread that creativity a little thinner because they want to give a lot of those ideas, I think, to the Disney movies, which sure, is great. Something like Wreck It Ralph was a Disney movie, yeah, exactly. Moana was a Disney movie, Frozen, yeah. you know, these great films that you know Lasseter is overseeing the way he oversaw Pixar. Yep. Um, but at the same same time, I still think they make great movies. There's just oh. such a, a heart and intelligence to them, and every one of them except the, the Good Dinosaur and Cars and well, Cars Two. I actually like Cars, the first one. Uh, the second one. Have you scary. seen the third one? Mm-mm. The third one is better than the second one. It's, I don't think it's quite as good it as the first one. Still feels kind of unnecessary, though. Yeah. But when I know that they make they, that they sell more Cars merchandise than merchandise from any other Pixar film, and you put out a third one, it feels a little hollow to me. Yeah. It feels like, well, we got to sell some more car beds. Especially when you, make, it's so weird because that's like that's a whole plot line in Cars three. Oh, it's yeah. about merchandising and and all, those, and all those things. So yeah, you can't have your cake and eat it too <laughs> like that. So your number one would be Pixar, and I respect that. Um, Star Trek is my number two just because my mom was a Trekkie, and she started me young. Young. Like on the OG series? Um, no, the OG movies. So oh, okay. Yeah, we, yeah. we were watching the original cast movies as they came out, because her and her sister were big fans of the original show. And then, right at the perfect age in my life as a young kid... The next generation comes back. And mom's super interested in this because she loved all the movies and the old old shows. So 
for the first season or two, she and I and the whole family were watching it, and I just fell in love with that crew. Um, the Next Generation is something special, I think. Uh, they had some great actors, some really thought-provoking episodes, multiple ones every yeah, season. Yeah, I love The Next Generation. Yeah, and, and then, of course, the movies, even the J.J. reboot. Um, I think that cast is amazing. Did you like uh, the second one? The second the one, second Into JJ Darkness? One? I like it, but it's it's flawed like crazy. It just feels... a. Li- I, I think the thing with that second one is it, it feels so of a different... Um, not tone necessarily, but uh, like a different purpose mm-hmm. than the first and third one. Like yeah. it feels, it feels more fan servicey in a bad way. In a bad way, because yeah. they try to hit too many. They try and either hit or you know parallel all the beats from Wrath of Khan. Right. So you got somebody yelling Khan, only this mm-hmm. time it's Spock instead of Kirk. Right. I don't need that. Yeah. You have somebody dying, sacrificing themselves to save the ship mm-hmm. at the react. I don't need that. If you want to tell me a con story and you want to cast Benedict Cumberbatch, <laughs> write something original. Right, you're right. They did, especially think, when you you've reset the universe in a way yep. that you don't have to tell the same story. Exactly, you can yeah. tell a completely new one. And then they they righted the ship with Star Trek Beyond in terms of rediscovering that sense of adventure and fun and yeah. not bogging down in fan service. So yeah, that totally. would be my number two. Uh, my number two is probably Hitchcock, Alfred oh, yeah. Hitchcock, huh? um, and that comes in the same way that your mom. Brought you up on Star Trek. My mom brought me up on Hitchcock movies. Yeah, uh, uh, I I love. The, it, so it went in in stages, right? The first the first time I watched Hitchcock stuff, uh, it was more of oh that's fun. Yeah. That's a fun story. That's a fun movie. And then as I you know grew in intelligence, it's like oh wow the way he's using the camera, the things he's doing, the things that he's inventing that everybody does now. You yeah. know, just in the kind of that respect of yep. him as a director. Um, we always had a, a, a blow. We would, you know, watch a new Hitchcock movie, you know, every, uh, you know, few weeks or whatever. And then we'd, we'd always, uh, look for Hitchcock shots, mm. you know, like the one, the shots in the movie where it's like only Hitchcock could pull that off, you know, kind of thing. And we'd identify them. And of course we'd look for the cameo, you know, where was Hitchcock in the yep. movie, that kind of stuff. So I just remember it was a really fun experience and then getting even further into that and like dedicating myself to watching every Hitchcock movie, yeah. which there are a lot of them. Or everyone I should say that exists because when he started working, I mean it was, you know, silent film era and a yeah. lot of those don't even exist. Uh but yeah, at least every one of his American releases since uh Rebecca. And uh man, he just he he makes such great movies. He does. And there I mean, he has weak movies. Sure. Uh don't get me wrong. But um talk about another streak. I mean, that streak with you know, Rear Window and North by Northwest and Vertigo and Psycho and The Birds. And it's just like, man, what, a, what an artist. Rear Window is my jam. Yeah. I love that movie. I remember, I remember I was way into film and considered myself a film geek before I ever saw Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. And then I watched Citizen Kane and saw some of that same stuff you're talking about where there's that like pushing shot where the camera appears to go through a window. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... That's impressive when someone pulls it off today. <laughs> and he was doing it back then, goodness gracious. So, yeah. He I didn't have, have ILM. <laughs> I have a lot of appreciation for Hitchcock uh, and his films. Uh, and I, I'm not surprised to hear you say that. And I loved, I, just, and I loved that he always wanted to put himself in a situation where he had to be creative. You know, to create Rope, which mm. is a movie that is only has cuts because it has to because back then film only had you know yeah. so big of a reel he could have done it if he wanted to yeah exactly yeah if if he had the technology to do it so or a film like lifeboat that all takes you know place inside one lifeboat he put himself in restricted situations 
to really find a way to be creative. I think yeah. that's, that's kind of cool. Yeah. What else you got? You got a number three? I'm struggling. I got about 17 things I could say for a number three, but I'm going to go with a, a later in life pop culture obsession of mine, and that's going to be the Christopher Nolan. Um, there's something about, first of all, it's not a single one of his films that I don't love, even Insomnia. Um, and I know that's not everyone's cup of tea. But when I was watching Dunkirk, it, was, it became so evident that this man is just working on a different level. Mm-hmm. Um, you can hire a great director and actors, uh, but the, there's something. His brain is jacked up somehow in a way where he can he can visualize shots and then pull them off and just suck you into a moment. Um, and so you know, I think he's literally a genius. No, I'm you quite, know, like when you think of like a Beethoven or uh, M. C. Escher in the art world. Yeah. you know, somebody who just whose brain just thinks differently about their. Medium. Yeah, I think you could be the most. I think like Spielberg is mm-hmm. amazing. Absolutely, I would call Spielberg a genius. Yes, I still think there's but that's something a different kind of genius. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. there's something different going on with Nolan, where he's not he's not even playing the same game any other directors right. are. Yeah, he's exactly. Inventing his own new game. Exactly. Uh, and he tackles such high minded ideas. I'm a, I've always been a big fan of like high concept, uh, whether it's sci fi or not. It usually ends up being sci fi, but you know he, he goes from something like The Prestige, which is got to be one of the most meticulously paced and edited films ever yeah and then he goes to he does inception where you know you read the 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 synopsis for inception and you fall asleep yourself because it (laughs) sounds so confusing but he makes it compelling and then pay because he knows what's going on his gears he's got more gears right i don't have that many gears right anyway i would say probably no one would be my third yeah i'd probably go with x-files Oh yeah, mine. yeah. I man, did I nerd out on X Files? If there were conventions and I was a part of them, it, you know, when I was in oh, that era, would have been Mulder. I would have, I would have been Mulder, or one of the lone yeah. gunmen, or one of the lone gunmen. <laughs> we talked about uh, in the uh, cinema in the syncast that's coming out. We talked about uh, movie nerds, yeah. And I wanted to bring the lone gunman into it, so oh, that, but it's be... television, and yeah, I guess we, there was an X Files. You could have done it. We but, cheat like that all the time. Yeah. Uh, um, I also thought of Syndrome as a movie nerd, but he, but he's not like a lovable right. movie nerd. So right, he's more of a villain nerd. Aren't they doing yet another round of new X Files? Oh episodes? yeah, yeah. And I'm glad. I actually really enjoyed the the reboot. I haven't I seen it yet. I thought it was it was really good. It really to me felt like Mulder and Scully. Was uh, Vince Gilligan involved in it at all? Yeah. Yeah, he I was? think so. Oh, yeah, at least as a as a producer. Yeah. I believe so, so well, that's good because yeah. well, that's well. When when Breaking Bad kind of blew up and you, you start you, the first time you find out oh this guy was heavily involved in X Files kind of makes sense why Breaking well, Bad is so good. Well, his episodes of the X Files were I, I remember his name because every time there was an episode of the X Files that I loved, it was, it was always one that he did, yeah. and I was like oh this yeah I, I love Gilligan so. Yeah, I actually had, uh, when we got married, we had our guest room was X-Files themed. Oh, wow. My wife made me a comforter for the bed in there. Full size, you know, I think it was a queen size bed or whatever. And it was just the X logo <laughs> on a black comforter. That's awesome. Yeah, That's so it awesome. had all the art in there and different things. I definitely don't have an X-Files bed. But you got me beat there. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah, I, I loved X-Files. I also had the collectible card game. Have you ever, like... Done a collectible card game kind of thing. Do you mean like a Magic the Gathering? Yeah, stuff? or Pokemon, no. or just where you collect the cards and it also plays a game. No. Nope. So nope. they had one for the X Files, and uh, I literally have 
every card that they've wow. ever made for that, except for the like the limited edition ones that only you know they release like five of them in a magazine or something. How like far that. do you have to drive from your house to find somebody to play that game with? Though? <laughs> I don't think any, but my brother might play that game. With <laughs> we played it. We have a video of us from like fifteen years ago playing the X Files collectible card oh, game, awesome. and it is it is painful to watch <laughs> how much we care you know like how you, you ever watch something yourself like that and you're like you're such an idiot yes. like why are you fighting about this you know yeah you really think this card does this that card doesn't do that so yeah so i uh i definitely was into the x-files so that was my nerd passion yeah, that's a good call um anything else about like comic-con culture or convention culture um i don't know i mean i I'm always impressed with um, the, the artists, the celebrities that, that are there to do signings and autographs that just go above and beyond. Yeah. So there were a handful here this week. Um, like Stan Lee was here today. I'm pretty sure he was in the building for about 40 minutes. Um, and you could only see him if you had a VIP pass, and the line was super huge. Now, I get that. Stan Lee. I also heard somebody say $240 for an autograph? Did well, I hear that right? Yeah, and that's the other thing. You know, we weren't charging for any autographs. I hope we never do. But I understand why that happens because some of these people, let's just be blunt. I saw Ralph Macchio at the Rhode Island Comic Con a couple years ago. This is a man who basically is known for the Karate Kid, and sure. that is it. Yeah. Uh, now, he's done other things. He still acts now and then, but people know him for the Karate Kid. He's not commanding a high salary if he works on a hollywood movie he's probably making just above scale right so this guy makes his living going to these conventions and you know it, it makes a lot more sense then to charge for an autograph or a picture if this is your income this is your right. life yeah like i saw the a lot of the a lot of the firefly yeah cast this is you know con life is their life yeah um summer glow and uh who's jewel state yes yes so i saw them and it, that makes sense to me, and mm -hmm. I and I don't begrudge them the ability to do that. And honestly, I mean, in a free economy, if somebody's willing to pay for something, it's worth that, yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, if if people want to pay, you know, fifteen bucks for a selfie, then yeah. let's do it, you know. But I was so I tweeted about this even. I was so impressed with Mal, Ralph Macchio because we our booth at that con was right across from him, and there were other artists around like Dean Cain and I think. Um, uh, blanking on Hellboy's name, even though I should know. Ron Perlman? Ron Perlman. Um, a lot of the Next Generation people were there from Star Trek. And, and they would sign for an hour or two and disappear, come back four hours later and sign for an hour or two. Ralph Macchio was there from open to close, eight hours or more straight, every single day. I'm not even sure the man took a potty break. <laughs> and I was so impressed that not only that many people would want to see him, but that he would have that kind of dedication. He was there was zero diva about him. He yeah. was like, "I'm going to be here as long as I need to be here." Uh, it kind of reminds me of like Cal Ripken stories when uh, he yeah. was playing for the Orioles that he basically would sign autographs for two three hours after every game just because he was going to take care of his fans. It is pretty impressive. I was at uh, Chicago Bears training camp just a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, all the players come off the field after training and everybody's lined up asking for autographs or whatever. And it was interesting to see the different approaches that they took. And I honestly don't judge anybody for any choice they make in that situation. No, I agree. You run straight through that line to the locker room, no judgment from me. Nope. Like, I, you know, you're, you're not required to do that. 
But if you're the guy who I saw who goes down the entire line and then you're right by the locker room and then chooses to walk all the way back to go down the other side wow. before you go in the locker room, wow. like you just get you get props from me. Oh, like absolutely. that's you know, not to judge the other person. No, mega props for you. It's for the what you uh, it's, did. it's going above and beyond, right? So like we, that's the Firefly people that we saw. We've seen them at their booth this weekend off and on. I've seen them plenty. Right. They're obviously not hiding and back in the green room for most of the day, but they're also plenty of times when they're not at that booth. Mm -hmm. and that's fine. Yeah. You don't even you don't even have to sign if you don't want to. For yeah. all I care, but the one who says I'm going to sit right here. Yeah. And I'm going to I'm going to sign however many autographs I need to. I just, it's just so impressive to me. Uh, very dedicated. Uh, Machio probably got some sort of trick from Miyagi about like bladder control or something, <laughs> I'm guessing. Focus power. Yes. Focus wax power. on, wax off yeah. or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, before we finish out, um, and I didn't prep you for this, so I'll give you a few seconds to think about it, but uh, we like to finish with buried treasure. Okay. So if there's anything in any area of pop culture, like it can be TV, movies, comic books, apps, you know, magazines, whatever. Okay. that you want to kind of bring to the forefront and say, you know, hey, this is something I've enjoyed or whatever. I don't know if it's a buried treasure, but um, in the last four or five years, I've, I've renewed my interest in reading Batman comics, um, particularly graphic novels, where they take a long run of comics that came out individually and they bind them together in one book so you can read the entire you know, The Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller or Batman Year One. That might have been the Frank Miller one. They might both be Frank Miller. Uh, and, and I've had a few of those. They're great travel reading, great for the plane. And when we were in L.A. a couple weeks ago, I picked up one that I, had, I haven't read any of the issues from. And it's a, the, the combination is called Night of Owls. Uh, and it's, a, I think one of, the, one of the runs is called The Court of Owls, and one of the runs is called something else. And they, they put them all together in this bind. I really liked it. Yeah. And it's new. It's only like four or five years old. And it follows... Multiple. It doesn't follow Batman the entire time. It cuts to Robin at one point, cuts to Nightwing for several issues, and cut. It, it's basically almost a Gotham story, if you will, yeah. on how all these different pieces are trying to deal with this, you know, court of owl vigilante group that's cropped up in the criminal underworld. I really enjoyed it. If you if you haven't ever checked it out and you like comics a little bit, um, I, I ripped through that one. Nice. Uh, my buried treasure, I finally got around to seeing uh, The Lost City of Z. Did you ever see that? No. came out this year. It's the the true story of this man who was trying to go into the jungles of the Amazon and find and prove uh, like advanced civilizations existed outside of the European oh, wow. ideal. You know? um, so there's an explorer edge to it, but also there's a little bit of a racial edge to it as well. Because during that era, these, you know, they were seen as savages, they were seen as you know, lesser than, those kind of things. Uh, and so it kind of deals with some of those issues. But it's, it's kind of like he is going treasure hunting in a way wow. for a civilization, for wow. a culture. And not to give anything away about his story or how it you know ends up, but it's really interesting and huh. fascinating. So, Where did you find it? Is it just on Blu-ray or something? Yeah, or? it's out on Blu-ray now. It okay. uh, came out this year. Uh, Robert, Robert Pattinson from the Twilight movies yeah. has a really interesting role in it too. So, and I, didn't even I didn't even realize it was him until wow. I saw the credits. But interesting. Yeah, so that's, that's one people might want to great. I'll have to check that out. Well, thanks for hanging out, man. No, man, thank you for the whole weekend and yeah. hanging out now. And it's been a blast. Absolutely. 
Thanks so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It's part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other live and later shows on the network by following the live feed at Mixler.com slash Studio DNA. That's M-I-X-L-R dot com slash Studio DNA. Huge thanks to Jeremy today for coming in, chatting about the convention with me. It's much appreciated. If you want to check out more of their stuff, obviously, Cinema Sins, Music of... Music video sins uh, on YouTube. Uh, you can also check out Cinema Sins on Twitter. That's a good follow as well. Uh, by the way, also thanks to our Patreon supporters for giving monthly to make this show and others on the network possible. Support starts at three bucks a month. Comes with some pretty fun perks. So proud of our supporters for coming through in the month of August to fight human trafficking on the ground in Cambodia. Over two thousand dollars raised. By you guys, absolutely insane. Thank you for doing that. Uh, if there, if you want to support this uh, podcast network, feel free to do it at Patreon.com/studioDNA. Uh, there's lots of ways to connect with the podcast. You can do it at SoundCloud. You can tweet at us, uh, iTunes. You can also email us feedback at SivPop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like it too. So let them know about it, and that listening is much easier than throwing together an intricate cosplay costume. Uh, we'll be back here uh, later this week, hopefully towards this weekend, uh, to chat some new movies, some other fun stuff with you. So we'll see you then. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.